Welcome to the She Who Wins podcast. I'm your host, Renee Bauer. I'm an attorney, entrepreneur, author, speaker, and investor. This is the place where we dive into all of the things that matter to you and most importantly, uncover what's holding you back from realizing your dreams. Because she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins. Before we get started, here's a quick message from this episode's sponsor. Have you ever thought about writing a book? As a published author myself, I can tell you that writing a book is so rewarding, but I also know firsthand how overwhelming the process may seem, especially if you're trying to do it alone. That's why I'm so excited to be sharing a brand new training put on by my friends called Activate Your Inner Author. This training is for you if you've always had a dream of writing a nonfiction book but don't have any idea where to begin. Hosted by two best-selling authors, this training will teach you how to use the microbook method to go from blank page to complete book manuscript in only 90 days. Learn more and register at activateauthor.com. But hurry, this is a time-limited training. Sign up now at activateauthor.com and make 2023 the year you finally see your book dreams come true. What a treat I have for you today. I cannot wait to introduce you to Heather Monahan. She is a two-time best-selling author, top 50 keynote speaker in the world, podcast host of Creating Confidence and TEDx Speaker. Having successfully climbed the corporate ladder for nearly 20 years, Heather is one of the few women to break the glass ceiling and claim her spot in the C-suite. Today, we are going to be talking about creating confidence in overcoming your villains. This interview is going to be so good. I'm so excited. I've been dying to meet this woman for a really long time, and she is one of our keynote speakers at the She Who Wins Summit. So let's get to it. Hey, Heather, welcome to the show. I'm so pumped to have this conversation. I'm so excited to be here. All right. So we have we have a lot in common, but one of the things that we have in common that really jumped out to me was that we were both fired from a job that we thought was secure. And my guess is you probably took it the same way I did. I thought it was the worst thing in the world that was going to happen to me. I thought that like I, I was fired on a Friday and closed on my house on a Monday. And they're like, oh, did anything financially change for you? And I'm like, no. <laughs> so let's start like let's start there. Let's start at the failure because we all know that like failure turns into opportunity. So what was happening in your life at the time that you were fired and like, where were you mentally and like, what did you do with that? Well, I had, I had grown up poor and I had worked my whole life since I was nine years old. So I was no stranger to hard work, but I had built tremendous success, especially in my early days as an equity partner. I had bought a company for $25 million, sold it for 55 million in under three years. And I had really put my name on the map in the media business as a revenue generator. And so I'd become a chief revenue officer. I was running a publicly traded company, you know, doing hundreds of millions of dollars a year in revenue. And I I was just named one of the most influential women in radio. And three weeks later, the CEO I'd worked for for 14 years became ill. He elevated his daughter to replace him. She fired me immediately. And I was in shock. I mean, I had checked every box. Like there was nobody. I should have had her job. I should have been promoted to CEO. And I was kind of shocked I wasn't. 
you know, in, in turn and in hindsight, you look back, I'm sure that's why I was fired, right? When you're a threat, you're always going to be a target. But at the time, I couldn't even process that. I had never been fired from anything in my life. And I thought, if you do a great job, why would someone fire you? That To me, that just sounded like the math doesn't add up. And so because I had grown up poor and I was always afraid of being poor, afraid of not you know, having income and never had any desire to just work alone, it just hadn't even crossed my mind. You know, I just always saw myself moving further up the public, um, publicly traded, you know, scale and, and being a CEO of some large company where essentially shareholders own the company. You don't own it. Right. And so I just never had thought any other way. So I found myself with an 18 month non-compete, non-solicit. I had to leave the industry I had expertise in at least for a year and a half and start over somewhere as a rookie somewhere. And I was, I was petrified. I mean, I, I went under a weighted blanket. I mean, I was having panic attacks. Mm-hmm. I am a single mom and I have built a very, you know, expensive lifestyle. And I had to, you know, take care of my child and pay our mortgage and, you know, pay for his school and my car. And it was just, it was shocking to me. It was definitely probably similar to your situation, you know, where you're just like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. You know, it was not, I'd say to me, oh my gosh, you bounced back so fast from getting fired. I'm like, it certainly didn't feel that way. So what did you do? What was the first thing that you did? The first thing I did was I posted on social media. And thankfully, I had been investing in myself for one year. So anyone listening right now, the key takeaway is invest in yourself now because that investment will stay with you forever. It doesn't matter if you get fired. It doesn't matter if you change companies. It doesn't matter if you start a side hustle. Investing in yourself will go wherever you go, right? So that's uh, the smartest investment, in my opinion, you can make. Smarter than any real estate acquisition because it's telling you that you're worthy, right? It's telling you that you're worth more and it's actually building confidence in you in those you know, really challenging times. So I had been doing that for one year. So I had a community of people, not a huge community, but maybe like 15,000 people. And I posted, I've just been fired. If I've ever done anything to help you, I need to hear from you right now. And that post went viral and that landed me on the Elvis Duran show. And I flew to New York, not knowing what I was going to say, but knowing if I wanted a new opportunity, I needed to start over in a new industry where I didn't know people. I wanted to reach a new audience. And I knew if I went on a show like that, I'd reach new people that I had never met before. So I stepped into my fear. I went on that show and halfway through the interview, he looked at me and said, well, obviously you're writing a book. And he had such conviction and such clarity that I decided to accept that gift and say, you know what? You're right. I am. But I really, you know, I wasn't writing a book. I had never even thought about writing a book, but I jumped on my flight and I Googled, how do you write a book? And in five months, I launched Confidence Creator. Amazing. This message is for the dreamers, doers, and goal getters out there. The She Who Wins Summit, a live event experience, is coming to Connecticut on April 28th and 29th, 2023. It's time to supercharge your soul so you can show up even more powerfully in your life, in your relationships, and in your business and career. Learn more at shewhowins.com. So I want to back up because I love the fact that you posted on LinkedIn about being fired when most people have shame about being fired. And that's like, I mean, that's the same thing with like divorce. People have shame. They don't want to talk about it. So 
Like, how did you break through that? Because if you're under a weighted blanket and you're drinking the wine, like the last thing you want to do is like proclaim like, hey, everyone, I've been fired. Like, how did you how did you get over that? Well, I use that analogy that you just brought up, divorce. I had been divorced. So I, you know, I knew what that movie looked like. And I remember when I got divorced, nobody was asking me on dates. And I was like, this is crazy. Why, why are people, people used to ask me out on dates? Why don't they anymore? And I realized people still assume I'm married. No one knows I'm not married. So I remember when I got divorced, I had to start advertising and telling everybody I knew, hey, I'm divorced. Did you know I'm single? Did you hear that I'm not married anymore? (laughs) And the more I would shine a light on the fact, on the shame, right, that I'm divorced, the more people be like, oh my gosh, you know who you should go out with? Oh, you know who I want to introduce you to? And so I likened, I'll never forget, I was laying on my couch, crying my eyes out. And I remember my phone wasn't ringing and I thought, how come no one after 20 something years in this industry is even reaching out to see how I'm doing? And I remember saying, I bet they don't know I'm available, just like divorce. So just like divorce, I said, I need to raise my hand and let people know. So when I put that post up, that was my way of saying I'm available, right? I didn't know if I some company was going to hire me. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew I had to let people know I no longer work for that company. I've been running for 14 years. And when I did that, a lot of people called me and said, hey, I love you. I care about you. Take that post down. Mm. It looks really embarrassing. And you're never going to get hired if you keep that post up. And I did something very smart in that moment, which I hope the listeners do in these crunch moments. I listened to my voice over everybody else. And I remember thinking, I didn't steal anything. I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't do anything wrong. I just showed up as me. And that lady didn't like me, which is okay. That's her opinion. But you know what? I don't need to feel bad about it. And then I Googled, has anyone successful ever been fired? And the list went something like this. Steve Jobs, Oprah Winfrey, J.K. Rowling, right? The list goes on and on. Some of the most successful billionaires in the world had been fired. And that was the catalyst to their greatness. So I decided to, you know, re-envision or reimagine getting fired means in good company, not full of shame. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then you think about it, like, imagine if you weren't fired, you'd probably still be in that C-suite job. You would never leave. Like, why would you? Well, that woman and I that I alluded to earlier, she had always been my arch nemesis. She was the CFO and I was a CRO. And like many corporate situations, there's very few females yeah. And oftentimes they're pitted against each other. She just never liked me. We we were, I'm very extroverted. She's very introverted. She was in charge of finances. I was in charge of operations. Like everything was opposing between us. And so she had never liked me. And it had really bothered me over time. For a long time, I decided to ignore her bad behavior. She only grew in power and I felt worse about myself. So I had made a series of bad decisions over a decade, very quietly, And it had affected me. So the funny thing was I had thrown my back out, like physical ailments were occurring in my life while on the outside, people saw me as so successful and killing it and winning all these awards and making all this money. Internally, I felt horrible. I was going home crying at night. So I don't know if I would have stayed there, you know, because I physically was, I was breaking down because working side by side with someone who treated me so poorly and I was allowing it was literally physically killing me. So your first book is all about confidence. When you were writing that book, did you have the confidence to go after that next thing after having just been fired? Like, did you have to curate the confidence to write that book? Like, were you a work in progress as you were writing it? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, the first thing I had to do, which is really a, it's a powerful exercise, and I encourage everybody listening to do it. I had to be willing to challenge the beliefs that I held and also drop the labels that I was hanging on to. And let me explain what I mean by that. When I had grown up with four kids and a, you know, a family that struggled. My sister was labeled the smart one. Mm-hmm. I was labeled the social one because I was an athlete. And so through my whole life, I, I, that stuck with me. And it wasn't that somebody actually wrote it on my door. It was just something I remember from being a kid. I'm the social one. You know, my sister's really smart. I need to go gravitate towards these not so smart things. Sales was what social people do. And so it made sense that I'd be really successful in that. And, and I thought, this is my lane. This is what I need to stay in. When Elvis Duran spoke this truth into me that I was going to be an author, I had to be willing to drop that label and say, because authors are supposed to be the smart ones in my mind. And so I had to challenge that belief. And that that whole moment of saying, I'm supposed to be the social one, but I'm going to drop that label. And I'm going to say, I can be the social one and the smart one. And that was you know, dropping a label that I've been hanging on to for way too long was limiting me. And I didn't realize it. Once I dropped it, I stepped into this unknown where I didn't know if one person would buy my book or thousands. I didn't know. But I remember lower the expectations on yourself, Heather. If you can help one person with this book, even if it's just you, then it's worth it, right? So that was sort of the attitude. Now, of course, I didn't really mean that. I wanted to make money. I wanted to start a business with it, right? I wanted to be successful, but I had to drop the pressure on me and step into that possibility that maybe I can be a social one and a smart one. Maybe I can be an author too. And, and that was an incredibly scary moment. But like anything, when you step into fear, you're only building the confidence within yourself. So you're a speaker. You're a top keynote speaker. You have you won awards on it. That wasn't part of your job. That wasn't part of your C-suite job, right? So how, how did that happen? How did you find that this is something I'm really, really good at and I love it and I have the confidence to go out on stage and speak in front of thousands of people? The crazy thing is, um, and I was just remembering this in an interview the other day and I'd forgotten about it. When I was a little kid, I was in like fourth grade and I tried out for a play and I got the lead in the play and I loved it. I loved being on stage. I loved, I loved the whole showbiz thing. And I remember an adult saying to me, you know, you can't do this forever. Like you can do this for this play, but you can't do it beyond that. And I said, well, why? You know, I must've been 10 years old or something. And whoever it was said to me, only 0.0001% of people make it. You just, you need to do something more reasonable, Heather. And I thought, oh, thank, you know, thank you for teaching me this, right? (laughs) So I ditched that idea of like, I loved acting. I loved being on the stage. So I ditched it because I needed money, right? Because I was still poor at this time and struggling. And so I thought, thank you. I'm going to move into this, you know, sales thing, tables, bartend, and, and then get into a sales career, which is exactly what I did. And, and it did make me great money. However, when, when you're a sales leader, you're constantly standing in front of your sales team and you're giving mini speaking engagements every single day. And then as I moved up the ladder, the audiences would get much larger. And then I was speaking in front of the entire company. And then I was speaking in front of the entire industry. And again, you, you didn't get paid for these things. But over two decades, I, you know, I spoke in front of thousands of people and, and massive audiences as part of my job. And then I did, you know, daily client meetings in front of boards of, you know, Geico insurance agency. So I was in front of massive audiences and really high level people in business every single day speaking. And I'll never forget, I was in tech headlining an event for the industry. And when I got off stage, people were going crazy. And they said, oh my gosh, you're so talented. 
And I remember thinking, oh, that's so cool for them to say, too bad you can't make money doing that. And that's truly the thought I had. And here for everyone listening, this is what I learned. I had my head down so far in just media and not picking my head up saying, wait a minute, I get really good feedback on this. I like doing this. Let's try to find a way. Let's start talking to people outside of media and see, is there a way to get paid to be a speaker? Is there a way I could turn this into a business? Most people like me stop in the moment when they say, I feel like magic. I love this. Oh, well, it's not what I get paid to do. I'm going to forget about it and move on in life. And that's what I did. I forgot about it. Fast forward, gosh, three or four years after that feeling in that moment is when I end up getting fired. I write the book. And then I was cold calling companies to sell the books. And someone said, hey, what's your speaker fee? I want to hire you to come in and speak for my, my company. And that's when I Googled and I saw Gary Vaynerchuk was making... $350,000 for a 60-minute keynote at the time. He makes a lot more now. But when I saw the math, I thought, okay, forget this. Forget the books. I want to get into speaking. And um, you know, the rest is history. Okay. So what role, if any, did a personal brand play into building the speaking career, the writing career? I mean, th- this goes back to investing in yourself. It, it's going to pay massive dividends no matter what you do. If you sell you know, clothing, if you sell jewelry, if you, if you do hair, it doesn't matter. Elevating your personal brand, which is essentially shining a light on who you are and allowing people to get to know you before you actually interface with them. It's pulling in a traffic opportunity to you instead of forcing you to go out and, and chase opportunities down. It's so funny because it was, so as a lawyer and running a law firm for the longest time, I don't want to put my personal shit out there. I'm like, no, 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 it's unprofessional. And then when I started doing it, that was when the business like catapulted. Like it was like, oh, shoot, like I am the face of it. Let me start talking about, so I'm twice divorced, talk about shame. And it was like, I didn't ever want to talk about that. And then all of a sudden, when I started talking about it, it was like the phones were ringing more, like people were were uh, reaching out saying, I, you know, thank you for sharing your story. I'm also twice divorced. It was like the personal brand was the thing that took the business to the next level, which would have never, ever thought that. I would have thought that it would have been like, it's almost seemed unprofessional, right? Like, you know, someone sharing that when they're supposed to be all buttoned up and, and lawyerly. It's exactly the same thing that happened for me. I had I had a personal brand on for a year, as I mentioned, but I never shared personal things until I got fired. I got fired and shared that I had been fired. Suddenly, my audience and community went from 10,000 to 300,000 in a very short yeah. window of time because people started trusting me. They're like, this girl's telling the truth. Whether you like it or not, she's telling you, you know, what is real, not what you want to hear. So let's talk about your second book because you have that big photo behind you, Overcome Your Villains. Uh, The first one you self-published, the second one you traditionally published. I love your story of like you wrote a zillion book proposals (laughs) to get that book out there. I wrote 15. And that's crazy because the book proposal is so much work. Like it's worse than writing the book. A hundred percent. Yeah. People have no idea how hard it is. It's crazy. It takes so much time, but you know, I was, I had a lot of clarity. I knew what I want to do. And the funny thing is, even though I self-published my first one, you're not a rookie author anymore. You've already done it. So I'm like, okay, you could do this. You know, this is a conversation I had. I coach myself up and I speak to myself in the third person, Heather, you already wrote a book once you're going to get this deal done. Like I'm the majority of people, and this goes back to sales. They'll give up after two or even three asks 
I have 20 something years experience pitching people. I don't give up. Right. So I know that I can outrun those other people that are going to give up at two or three asks. It was on the 15th pitch and revision that I actually got the deal with my agent. And then we got the deal with HarperCollins leadership. So the key there is don't stop when the mediocre will, you know, will stop. Just keep persevering. I love telling it took I 113 rejections before I got an agent and then countless rejections after that before we got the book deal. So it's like that you just keep going. And I think that's the difference, right? Between someone, even if someone has a podcast that rises in the ranks, you know, people stop. They stop trying after they hear no so many times. So like what tips do you have for someone who is at that point who maybe has been fired or, you know, is in the bad marriage or divorced. And like, when you're in like the lowest of lows, like, what do you do to climb out of that to keep going? Oh my gosh. It's so critical. Well, I'll use the three-step process that I share in overcome my book, Overcome Your Villain. It's called Back, Beliefs, Action, and Knowledge. And this three-step process, if you stick to it, right, if you're disciplined with yourself and stick to it, at least give yourself one month with it, you will see major breakthroughs in your life. I guarantee it. I just, I see, go over the reviews and you'll see people have breakthroughs. So number one, it's really breaking down the belief that you're holding. So I'll use me getting fired as the example with the back system. When I got fired, I held a belief that I've lost everything. And I even was repeating it out loud. So I was speaking it into existence, right? So you have, your words are really powerful. You have to be careful what you're speaking. So to use the back system, I would stop myself with the belief. I'd think about it. Did I really lose everything? I'd write down everything I still had. I still have my son. I have my family. I have my health. I have my business acumen. I have my network. I have my expertise. I have my talent. I have my experiences. I have really lost nothing. I lost a paycheck. And the minute I distilled it down to, I didn't lose everything. I lost a paycheck. Wait a minute. Suddenly that's, I've lost a paycheck before because I had given up my paper route, right? So I lost that paycheck. And then I went into busing tables. And then I gave up that paycheck to go into, and I started seeing, I know how to replace a paycheck. I don't know how I'm going to do it yet, but I've, I've seen this movie. I know how it turns out. I'll get another paycheck. So suddenly you you feel so much better. But the first step is distilling that belief to the simplest shred of fact that there is. And typically there's no factual basis for it. Number two, immediately take action. My action step was I posted on social media. That doesn't have to be your action step. But for the woman who's in a bad marriage, you know, identify that belief that you don't need this human being to stay alive for, you know, 20 something years or 30 some years. You stayed alive without him. You can do that again. Right. So the belief is you don't need this person. You're sad that the relationship's ending. That's okay. You've gotten through sadness before, too. Right. So distill the belief. Take action immediately. Let people know that you're available again. Let people know or call a realtor and start looking at new places to live. Like take some action step to move you in the direction of where you dream to go, want to go in the future. Number three, surround yourself with knowledge that empowers you and helps accelerate your, your plan and process. So if you are someone that wants to get divorced and your mother's telling you not to get divorced, that is not the knowledge base to surround yourself with, right? So think from a really clear standpoint, who are the people that will be my champions in this time? What are the podcasts like this one that I should listen to to help encourage me to listen to my own voice? You know, journaling is great knowledge to surround yourself with because you can amplify your own voice. You know, who are the friends that you're letting in? Who are the family members you're letting in? Who are the mentors you're leaning on? And some of them you don't even have to know. You can ask access their tips and tricks through social media. So good. And all of that is in your book, Overcome Your Villains, and you lay it all out. So everyone needs to go grab a copy of this. 
Yeah, the book is laid out in three parts, the beliefs, actions, and knowledge. So it's really meant that wherever, for someone like me, I'm an action taker. I really struggle with beliefs and I've done a bad job choosing the knowledge I surround myself with. So for someone like me, I would start with the belief section to really dive into it and do some work there first. Then I'd go to knowledge and then to action because I know that part's easier for me. You can start the book at whatever you know part that you're struggling the most with or wherever you feel most comfortable. What I love about your story is because someone from a high level, they might look at you and they might go over to Instagram and be like, oh, but she's she's lucky or you know, it comes easy to her, right? Because they're looking at the place where maybe they want to be and they're not there yet. But I love the messiness of your story. And I love that, like, you speak so openly about it because so many times on, on social media, we see such a filtered version of like that, you know, that perfectly curated path. So do you think that all of the messiness and the bumps along the way actually benefited you in some way and served you a far greater purpose than they did hinder you? They've made me so incredibly resilient, right? I might get knocked down again. Gosh knows I will, right? But the beautiful thing is I've been knocked down so many times it becomes comical now, right? You know, it's it used to be, oh gosh, this is going to be hard. And it's this isn't funny, but it's ironic that you're bringing this up a very high profile celebrity personality who I happen to know from LA sent me a DM today. And he said, Heather, you're not going to believe this. I didn't know who else to reach out to. I've been in this relationship with this woman for three years. I, you know, I financially take care of her. We have this beautiful life together. She's pregnant. She's leaving me. I don't know what to do. This is not fair. Basically saying, poor me, poor me, poor me, right? Like crying himself a river. And I wrote back, dude, blessing. This woman is revealing herself to you. What a gift and a blessing. See it for the blessing that it is and allow this to be the catalyst that you just fired your number one villain. This is someone who, if she was willing to treat you like this in this really vulnerable time for you and and take, you know, take your money and take advantage of you and now has your child and says she's leaving, you know, this is not your, you know, your kind of person. You need to find within yourself to celebrate that wait a minute, you were successful and happy before you met this woman. Now let's get you back to who that other persona is. Because right now you don't sound like the guy that I know. And he wrote back, you're right. I did used to be a lot stronger. I did used to be a lot more confident. I lost it over the last three years because she's treated me really poorly. I'm like, well, then you deserve better. And he's like, I do. I'm like, well, now start acting like it. Like you, yeah. For him, it was so hard because he hasn't had a lot of loss in his life. He hasn't had a lot of challenges yeah. that he almost had to have someone yell at him, okay, this is the moment you need to step up, pal. Like, it's time to get to work. For someone like me, when you've gone through so many of these, immediately you're like, oh, wait, this is a a blessing and a gift. Haven't seen how exactly it's going to play out yet, but this is exciting. This is a chance for me to invest in myself, step into more unknown, which means stepping into more opportunity. Aside from being fired, what are some of your favorite failures? Oh my gosh. Oh, you know what's so interesting is when I first got fired, I remember I was feeling really insecure because I'd always had a company name behind me, right? And that, you know, the paycheck and the business card and the logo. And now it was just me. And I wanted people to know that I'm powerful. So I thought I'm going to go partner with a multi-billion dollar company and, you know, find a way to add value to them. So they want to partner with me because that will make me look strong. So I had this idea for a clothing line. And this is five years ago. And I wanted messaging on the inside of the clothing line. And I want it to be like my 
feminine yet powerful look that I like to rock. Cause like people send me DMs all the time. Where'd you get your outfit from? How can I get that outfit? And when people ask you for things, know that it's a business opportunity, potentially, if you want to see it through. So I came up with this unique angle. And because sales is my thing, I said, listen, I went to the CEO of Perry Ellis International, a multi-billion dollar company headquartered where I live. And I said, I've got this idea. It's a new revenue stream. I had done my homework on their business. I knew revenues were flat for them. So they would want something to accelerate revenue. I said, no one's doing this in your industry. Here's my concept. I'll go on TV to QVC. I'll sell the product live, which is a new audience, new opportunity for your brand. It's going to give you huge reach, new revenue stream. This is a slam dunk. He's like, I love the idea. Very low risk opportunity. Let's do it. For nine months, I partnered with them and worked on this concept. At the nine-month mark, we had the line ready to go, the deck ready to go. We went into the pitch to QVC and they said, Heather, we love you. We don't like the clothes. We have clothes that look just like that. This is, the clothes aren't unique and original. And I never thought there'd be an issue with Perry Ellis because it was such a big name. But unfortunately, we didn't do enough homework to say, is this different enough than what they have on air? And it wasn't. And so that fell apart after nine months of working together and me having major dollar signs in my eyes, forecasting millions in revenue overnight, it disappeared. However, and I didn't know it at the time, you know, you can't stay pulled down in negativity or like cry over something too long. You got to pick up and say, all right, what's my next revenue stream? What's my next idea and opportunity? And lean into that. And so I was leaning into the speaking and into my books and, and whatnot at that point in time, but I never let go of this idea. Fast forward a year or two later, I launched my podcast. Someone says to me, you need to meet Kim Gravel in Atlanta. She's got a show on QVC. She'd be a great guest for your podcast. I fly to Atlanta. I go to her home because I always believe in face-to-face whenever you can do it. And this is right before the pandemic. We hit it off. And she's like, you should have a show on QVC. I said, oh my gosh, you have no idea. I tell her my whole story. She's laughing about it. She's like, I have my own manufacturing company. Why don't you work with me and we'll develop our own line and I'll help you. You know, she's just like a a gracious woman who wants to help other women. She's already made it. She's like, let me help you. So we start working together. We go to to market together to QVC. They say no to me again. They're like, she's not unique enough with the product, Kim. Get her more unique. Well, pandemic hits and everything disappears because they did not want new products on. They, did, they wanted to just slow everything down because things were a nightmare. Cut to, I come up with an idea during the pandemic. Anyways, I have a new partner. We create a new product. And so now I'm back in the pitch cycle again. And it's just one of those interesting things that just because an idea, a concept or a partnership doesn't work out today, you have no idea what that might look like three years, five years, seven years down the road. Don't get discouraged by it. Just keep in the back of your mind that maybe there's a way we can tweak this, reinvent this, and we, we don't know how this thing's going to play out yet. Oh, I love it. I love it. I have, I have such a similar story of recently where I was part of a tech startup and it, uh, it started to feel not right. And I walked away. It was like, I invested a year into this. And I said, you know what? I'm not stopping there. And the I came up, I, I went to someone else. I'm like, let's do this. And we're, we're launching in three weeks. I'm like, but had for the longest time, I was like, I spent, I wasted a year. I wasted a year doing this work and doing the, the calls and the meetings. And I'm like, you know what? It wasn't a waste. All of that had to happen so I could learn everything in order to do it on my own. So everything is a gift. I love it. So let's talk to see it that way. I'm so happy for you that you do. So let's talk about your speaking because you have a speaking engagement coming up in a few months at the She Who Wins Summit. I'm so, so excited to have you there. 
Oh my gosh. I'm so I'm from originally from New England. And so for me, it's anytime I get to go back, I'm so excited. I feel at home. I can't wait to see all my people, all of our ladies. And it's going to be an incredible event with, I mean, it's just going to be such an empowering event for so many like-minded women to come together and really challenge themselves to go to the next level. Yeah. And you know what? There's nothing like this on the East Coast. Like everything is on the West Coast. I've been to more events in Scottsdale over the past two years. And I'm like, where are the East Coast representation? So I think well, luckily you're making it happen. You're making it possible yeah. on the East Coast. <laughs> well, so so excited to have you. I have one final question for you. But before I get there, how do people follow you? How do they get their books, your books and how do they connect with you? Okay. So my website is heathermonahan.com. My podcast is Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan. My books are Confidence Creator and Overcome Your Villains. You can get those wherever books are sold. And I'm on all social media at Heather Monaghan. Amazing. All right. Final question. What does winning mean to you? My gosh, winning. Interesting. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is like a race because that's I'm just a competitive person. So I technically do like to win things, which, you know, that's not the most attractive quality in the world. However, the older I get and I'm 48 years old now, I realize that winning is about taking care of yourself, being healthy, actually feeling good, right? And and sleeping enough, working out enough, making yourself a priority, doing something you love that's purpose-driven. I mean, that's like the biggest gift in the world. So you don't have to go do charity work after you get out of your job, but finding a way to you know bring it all together. Being around people who are your champions, not spending a minute of time with somebody who wants to sabotage you, wants to put you down or give you that disparaging look, getting those people out of your life that is winning to me. That's amazing. And do you, because you shared your age, do you think like, I think the forties are the best decade ever. I I love my forties. I mean, it's interesting because there's, I look at pictures of me in my twenties and I'm like, oh, for yeah. the love of God, girl, you were so beautiful. Your skin was amazing. You don't even try. Like, I know I you still are. like that. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's so the forties are like, I live in my dermatologist's office. I literally, I mean, he probably drives a brand new Bentley because of <laughs> there's pros and cons to anything. I, I wish I could have appreciated how I looked and how yeah. easy the physical part was back when I had it. But I try to remind myself of that today, that when I'm in my seventies, I'll look back at today and be like, oh my gosh, you still had it so good, girl. Like you should have appreciated it more then, right? So I'm trying to learn. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm more proud of understanding that, wow, with experience comes such wisdom yeah. and grace and, and an understanding that there's more out there than just ourselves and like what our purpose in the world. And like all of that is new to me in my forties. And I'm so grateful and and yeah. thankful for all of that and the understanding that there, there's more than just the paycheck. Right. So all of that's great, but I do, there are certain things in my twenties and thirties. Oh. I, I, I mean, totally, but, but I love like the, I don't give a shit that I adopted in my forties that I pro I did. I wish I had that in my twenties. Oh, you know? of course. That would I was be unstoppable. Yeah. Unstoppable. So awesome. So anyway, Heather, absolute pleasure to have you here. I can't wait to see you in real life in a few months. So everyone needs to go grab a copy of your books and go give Heather a follow. She is just an absolute powerhouse. Thank well, you. thank you so much for having me and get a ticket for our event. I can't wait to see everybody. It's going to be an amazing event. I can't wait to be there. Thank you for having me. Thank you. That's a wrap. Please subscribe to the She Who Wins podcast so you'll be the first to know about every new episode that drops. 
Until next time, and remember, she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins.